0: Have you ever watched a movie and wondered why they cast that woman or that guy? Well, here's our chance to give it a try. We're repodcasting. Hello, and welcome back to Repodcasting. I'm your host, Lucia Giulio. And I'm
1: Janet DeBrito. Our other host.
0: <laughs> and for the first time ever, we have a special guest with us Yay! today. Hooray! We have here Marita Julio Retson. Hello, everybody. This movie was actually Marita's pick, so we'll just get right down to it. We're doing Punch Drunk Love and the synopsis of the movie. Marita will do our synopsis.
2: Okay, this movie is from 2002, and it the synopsis is, although susceptible to violent outbursts, bathroom supply business owner Barry Egan is a timid and shy man. He starts a romance with an English woman while being extorted by a phone sex line run by a crooked mattress salesman (laughs) and purchasing
1: stunning amounts of pudding. Okay, so I will just talk quickly about the uh, box office on this. So the budget for this movie was $25 million, which that's substantial. But again, it's Paul Thomas Anderson, so he's definitely got some clout and he's a name, right? It did not recoup its money. It just fell short. It was $24.7 million was the worldwide box office gross. Uh, so, yeah, it didn't do, like, maybe what they'd hoped it would do. That's a shame
0: because i I'll just say it. I loved this movie. <laughs> I thought it was really good. I thought it was really well done. I thought it was really well cast, to be honest, like, to watch it now. At the time, um, like, because I did watch it when it was new, and I remember at that time, like, I was fairly young and I hadn't seen a lot of independent film or anything like that. And I remember thinking it was really weird. And I also thought, I think I'm supposed to like
1: this, but I didn't really get it. I did not like this movie. I'm probably going to be the only one here <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> who didn't. I won't get into it like too much because obviously we want to get started and we want to hear Marita's picks. But I did not like this movie. Okay.
0: Okay, Okay. so we'll just get into oh. the,
2: the casting okay. then, and uh, we'll start with Marita's picks. Okay, I liked this movie, but <laughs> when I saw it the first time in 2002, I liked it right away, but I felt like um, it shouldn't have been an Adam Sandler cast, because the main problem that everybody was saying back then was Adam Sandler was trying to do a serious movie, and where's the Adam Sandler that I came to see, because everybody wants to see Sandler. an Adam Sandler film. And this is not the typical Billy Madison type film. So at the time, I thought if P.T. Anderson had cast someone else, this movie would have made a ton of money because it was so good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But when I rewatched it recently for this podcast, when I chose the movie, I thought, oh, wait, it's actually like Adam Sandler did a great job. Like it was well cast. It's just that he was known as this goofball kind of comedian. And so it didn't work. But I felt like it worked now. But anyway, I recast it. <laughs> so for the character of Barry Egan, I just go right into it. Yeah, okay. sure. Uh, I chose, I had a really hard time with this one. I went through a few different selections. And I ended up with Sean Hayes. Do you know okay. who is? Jack. <laughs> it's Jack. <from laughs> I'll tell you why. <laughs> Jack from and <laughs> <Willing> Grace. <laughs> <Brooks. laughs> because I, okay. Adam Sandler in this movie is supposed to be someone who's like really quirky and really weird but lovable like we're supposed to relate to him and love him even though he's like this oddball who like has these violent outbursts and is so weird and whatever mm-hmm. and I thought Sean Hayes could play that really well being like really quirky and like weird but still really like charming in a way charismatic to make you love him as a character. Do you think that he could pull off the violent outbursts well? I do. Yeah, I thought. uh, Because before he became Jack, he did a whole bunch of commercials. (laughs) I know commercials are the same. But do you remember him in commercials? No. No. Okay, I really liked him right away. Like he played like more serious people in the commercials. And he was a good actor. But then he became Jack and he became like super famous. And I feel like he
1: didn't move on from there. So here's a question that I have, and it's not necessarily about Sean Hayes, because I actually think that Sean Hayes could pull this role off. I think Sean Hayes has the ability to do drama as well as comedy. Um, My question for you is this you're saying like, we're supposed to find Adam Sandler's character lovable. Did you actually find him lovable? Because here was, this was my issue with him in this role, was that I didn't feel that he had the acting ability to pull off that sense of pathos. Yes, he's lovable, but you're also supposed to sort of feel sorry for him. And I never felt that at any point. So for me, like, that's where he failed. Not just there. (laughs) He failed on numerous other levels. But for me, like, that was the main thing that I noticed. So I want to ask, did you not feel sorry for him because it's Adam Sandler? No. Because oh. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> he's like cork. Yeah. No, no, no. It wasn't because of that. I just didn't feel as if he was able to pull off that vulnerability mm. that mm. that role required. I felt, you know, honestly, while I was watching it, I felt like I was watching a watered down version of the character that he does in Little Nicky. Oh, oh, I've never seen it. <laughs>
2: I've never seen Little Nicky. I can't work along. Oh, my God. But I felt the first time I watched the movie, I felt like Adam Sandler can't do this. And he's like, the movie's ruined yeah. because it's Adam Sandler trying to be this, like, really serious role. <clears throat> but watching it now, I, f- I didn't feel that way. But I don't know. Maybe watch it in um, 18 years. And then
0: <laughs> I definitely felt that pathos. I felt so Rude. bad for him. Yeah. And, like, I... I Bought into his portrayal from the start, I have okay. to say. Yeah, okay. I don't know.
2: Okay, so the character of Lena Leonard, which was played by Emily Watson, I thought she did a really good job too, and she was really cute and and weird and worked with uh, Adam Sandler. But I recast Kate Beckinsale. Okay, um, she's been in Broke Down Palace, Pearl Harbor, and Serendipity. Mm -hmm. and um, I thought her and Sean Hayes looked good together. So as I was casting this, or recasting this, I was thinking, I wish I could see them audition together.
1: (laughs) But physically, I think they would work together. I agree with you. You know what's funny? I actually almost cast her oh, cool. as well I had a list of potentials for that role and she was Ooh, one of them because I thought of her I can't remember the name but you know that movie that she did with John Cusack serendipity. It's a ro- that's it serendipity she did and I was like she could totally do a romantic comedy because this is this movie is yeah. actually described as a romantic comedy mm-hmm. and I was like I could see her in that role Ooh, so good pick yeah. interesting oh, I, I like that pick too Okay,
2: next was the role played by Philip Seymour Hoffman, which is Dean Trumbull, the uh, crooked mattress salesman who extorts uh, Bear Egan. Um, And I thought Philip Seymour Hoffman did a great job in his role. He was perfectly cast, I thought. Um, But in the spirit of this recast podcast, I recast John Malkovich. Oh. Because I think... so. Oh. Oh, sorry. Of being John Malkovich, (laughs) and he's also in the Libertine, and uh, so this character is someone who's like, he's got to be aggressive, right? So he's like angry and aggressive and Mm -hmm. threatening, but in the end, Barry Egan's character wins, Mm -hmm. so it has to be someone who you can, who's not too scary, like not too Mm -hmm. aggressive, you know? And I thought John Malkovich would be perfect, because he would have his violent outburst, and he'd kind of be scared, and then somebody would put him in his place, and he'd just cower.
0: Yeah, John Malkovich has just the right amount of crazy for that role. That's really good. Oh, thank you. Okay, who wants to go next? Okay, uh, Lucia, Yeah, I will go next. Actually, full disclosure: Marita and Lucia are sisters, so we might sound the same. <laughs> so this is oh, Lucia I now. Sound the same. <laughs> so okay, so now my picks uh, for Barry Egan. I cast <laughs> Bob Odenkirk from Better Call Saul. <laughs> what? Why is that so is funny? Is that Saul? It's Saul. From Better Call Saul. Okay. I also was thinking of somebody who can be kind of quirky and goofy and lovable but who can do the violent outburst too. And I think he's really good at that.
1: Okay. I know who he is, but like, was he around in 2002? Oh, yeah. I was just what, thinking was that he, too. what was he doing at that time? And do you think that he's somebody who could have gotten like financing for this movie? Like, is he a name <laughs> that people would have been like, okay, we'll give P.T. Anderson the money? Paul Thomas
0: Anderson, like you said, already had the clout, and he brought a lot of people in. Who, like Philip Seymour Hoffman, is in almost all of his movies. Like to me, I think P.T. Anderson made a lot of people right. So, so he could have made. I think so. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm. I can't, I don't know exactly what Bob Odenkirk was doing at that time. If Mr. Show was already on, which was a comedy, but Adam Sandler was a comedy guy too. Well,
2: this is comedy.
0: Yeah, exactly. This is technically a comedy. I don't know.
2: I didn't find it,
0: like, hilarious. But, um, but yeah, I think that he could have been in that role, for sure. And and I think he could have pulled it off, too, because he's really quite a good actor. I think he's pretty underrated. Okay, and so for Lena Leonard, the Emily Watson character, I cast Elizabeth Shue. I didn't go the British way. She was in Adventures in Babysitting. And,
2: yeah, I, I think that... the each difference between those two characters?
0: So... Who actors, do you want to know? Actors. The two that I cast? Yeah. Uh, one year. Bob Odenkirk is one year older than Elizabeth Shue. And Adam Sandler is one year older than Emily Watson. Yeah, so she was also in Leaving Las Vegas. I uh, I don't know. I just, to be honest, for her, I just kind of like was able to picture her. I don't really have like any kind of logic behind it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I just thought of her and I was like, yeah, I could see her in that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think Elizabeth Shue, like, I think she could do that role. I don't know about the chemistry between her and Bob (coughs) Odenkirk I don't know mind you I did not really feel that there was any chemistry between Adam Sandler and Emily Watson like for me it was not convincing I didn't buy them together as a couple at all and if anything like that's where I really liked Emily Watson out of the two of them she made me believe Mm -hmm. yeah I agree that I agree with that she made me believe that, you know, that there potentially like was something there and that I was getting nothing from Autumn Sandler. Yeah, I totally agree. I felt that too. I felt like she
2: especially the first time I saw the movie, I thought she's carrying this movie. <laughs> but um then I the second time I saw it, I thought maybe we're supposed to think that in a in a way. Like he's so weird that even when she comes to see him and he's like so awkward and weird and so He's not supposed to have chemistry with her at the beginning. But then Mm -hmm. I felt like when they had that scene where he says something really weird. Like, I want to
0: punch your face or something like that.
2: (laughs) And then she says something weird right back. Yeah. And I was like,
1: (laughs) oh, they are right for each other. (laughs) But see, the thing, the other thing that I had a problem with was like, we're supposed to believe that this new love that he has found with Emily Watson, it's almost supposed to be like ridiculous. deeming his character in a sense and I wasn't getting that and I don't know maybe again like I'm not a fan of Adam Sandler's but I really tried to keep an open mind about this movie because I really tried to understand like where he was going with his performance and I didn't find that the love that was happening between them made him like Mm. any more appealing as a character, if anything, I almost felt that it fueled like the rage issues that he had in a sense, because like he goes to that mattress store yeah. at the end. My favorite, one of my favorite parts of this movie was he shows up at the mattress store with the landline in <laughs> his hand. Yeah. like the phone. Yeah. And it's like, where is he going with this phone? And it's almost like, Yes, the the love seems to be giving him strength, but also you almost get the sense that it's fueling his rage. Like even when he gets to Hawaii and he like gets on the phone with his sister and he completely finally loses it. Mm -hmm. So that's why like I felt that P.T. Anderson was maybe trying to make us believe that this love is redeeming, but I felt it was going the other
2: way. Yeah, I didn't think that at the time, but now that you're pointing that out, it's true. He did have more violent outbursts as a result of the relationship. For me, I felt, I wouldn't
0: say it redeemed him either, and I didn't feel that that the movie maker was trying to do that. What I got was that it was making him want to be a better person, but honestly, like, I watched it with my friend Megan, and at the end of it, we both kind of turned to each other and said, like, yeah, that was really great. But I hope he gets help (laughs) because, like, he still clearly needs professional help. Yeah. But uh, to me, I felt like the love that he was experiencing with her was enough to make him get the help he needs. I don't know. That's that's what I took away from it. But yeah, so my last character, the Philip Seymour Hoffman character of Dean, I... (laughs) I also wanted somebody who is, like, pretty crazy. They can be really, like, violent and big and everything. Who did you... Is this going to be Jack Black? (laughs) No. (laughs) And it's not Benedict Cumberbatch, either. (laughs) Um, I picked... Don't don't drink. I don't know. to your water. I picked Nicolas Cage <laughs> oh okay yeah. my only concern of that one is that I don't think that he as a person like the human being Nicolas Cage I don't think he would agree to back down to be that character you know cool. he always wins you
1: know what I think oh. Nicolas Cage would have been a good Barry Egan oh. yes
0: <laughs> yeah maybe yes <laughs>
2: I never thought of Nicholas Cage, <laughs> but he would have done well as Barry Egan. Okay,
0: good. I'm glad because I, was... I liked my pick. I thought you guys were gonna laugh. No. <laughs> okay, so yeah, those are those are my three picks. Um, I did also recast uh, Mary Lynn Ricecub's character, the sister, with Mary Louise Parker, but. <clears throat>
1: I, I don't know. I like her. I think she would have been a good sister to Bob Odenkirk. <laughs> okay, so my recasting, I think my picks are going to be, like, a lot more controversial oh, <laughs> <all right. laughs> than you guys. Okay, so for uh, the Adam Sandler character, Barry Egan, I know that you guys are going to throw some hate at Uh-oh. me for this, but I, honestly, like, I was thinking of this person As I was watching the movie, like 20 minutes in, I was like, I'm not feeling Adam Sandler in this role. And this person immediately popped into my head, but I... I'm almost sorry now that I didn't select Nicolas Cage. That's <laughs> yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Uh, I chose... Oh, here's the other thing. I just want to preface. Cool. I felt that the characters were too old, in a sense. Oh, yeah. And it's funny, because I actually Googled to see like how old they were. Um, Adam Sandler was 36 at the time, mm. and Emily Watson was 37. And I felt like, just based on the performances...
0: Yeah, she was... 35. Th-
1: Yeah, he's a year older. Oh, really? Okay, sorry. But it's okay. Um, I felt, well, they're about the same age. I felt that based on the characters and sort of the way they were, I felt that they should have been younger. Mm -hmm.
0: Hmm. Okay.
1: To me, it felt like that behavior and just what was going on... Um, it should have been younger characters. So that's. Okay. So my characters are younger.
0: That's funny because so, yeah. I actually felt that it was. Maybe the way they were behaving to me felt more like it did match their ages. Um, yeah, like he was so introverted and so messed up because of his sisters it seemed that he wasn't able to make connections sooner at a younger age so that's why you know this woman comes into his life and she's kind of pursuing him I don't know to me like the just felt perfect that's a
1: good point in regards to him sure Not necessarily in regards to her, because you have to think like a woman, first of all, women are usually more mature than men anyway in behavior. I mean, maybe that's, I'm stereotyping, but that (laughs) does tend to be kind of the way it goes. But also I felt that somebody her age would perhaps not necessarily, how do I want to phrase this? Put up with someone like him? Put up
2: with someone like him? Yeah, that's exactly. Just, just too old. I felt like, like someone yeah. her
1: age would have more agency about herself mm-hmm. and about how she carried herself and that she would probably like walk away from that. So that's yeah. why I went younger. Ooh, okay. Because I felt that the story merited younger um, characters. So for uh, Barry Egan, I chose Leonardo DiCaprio.
2: You know what? I, that's the first person I thought of really? to recast. That's then, the first person I thought of. <laughs> no I way. really did. And then I thought, no, not but really. But then I thought, maybe it's just because of What's Eating Gilbert Grape. <laughs> he was really good, but he was like a kid. But then I thought, he's too good looking. Mm-hmm. And I thought And somebody that, too. that good looking, I don't know, would be that messed up. <laughs> well, that's so oh, weird. Yeah. Be
1: even more <laughs> messed up. here's the thing I chose him mainly because I thought to myself I would have loved to have seen what he would have done with that character that character to me had so many layers that needed to be explored and I felt that in Adam Sandler's hands he just didn't have the ability to go there as an actor whereas someone who is, you know, maybe better at dramatic roles. Mm -hmm. But also, I just feel like Leonardo DiCaprio could have hit all those different layers. And I would have loved to have seen in his hands what he would have done, like the outbursts, (laughs) but also like the romantic lead like you would totally buy him as a romantic lead yeah um and yeah and you know what if you've seen the aviator which actually came out the same year as this movie in 2002 it very much reminded me of uh his character in the aviator because he played howard hughes who also had like ocd and had like you know like i don't want to call it that's not mental illness but some people mental disorder uh, yeah i guess uh so i felt that it would have been interesting to see what he would have mm-hmm. done. Do you guys have any comments or I <laughs> I
2: thought of him right away and then thought no because of I just felt he's too good looking because I feel like the character of Barry Egan is the way he is because of the torment of his seven sisters. Like they're mm-hmm. relentless and it would make anybody crazy and I just feel like if he was that, if it was Someone who looked like Leonardo DiCaprio, he'd just, like,
1: have girlfriends in high school and
2: mm-hmm.
1: have, like, get away from them more easily than... Yeah, I can see what you're saying. But, the other thing, too, that, and I I mentioned this earlier about how I felt that Adam Sandler, like, didn't have, sort of, wasn't able to necessarily show that vulnerability. Like, I felt that Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio could definitely go there yeah
2: yeah I, I think <clears throat> there's no question that you know, he <laughs> is a better actor than
0: Adam Sandler. <laughs> oh but poor Adam Sandler I feel really bad because <laughs> I do think he did a good job I honestly I do, do. Too. and um I Roger Ebert also in his um his review of the movie he also like praised him highly and it's really unfortunate because that it did so poorly because I think That made Adam Sandler not do that ever again, not try to go out of his wheelhouse ever again. And then he just, now we get the garbage that he's doing nowadays.
2: Actually, uh, except that he did try it again. Did he? I I was looking this up. And so he did things like Spanglish,
0: which is not
2: in his wheelhouse. Yeah. And um, there was another movie he did that was more serious too, but I can't remember. Oh, Funny People. Right. Yeah. Very serious. So he has tried again. Okay.
1: Oh, are you? Uh, you know what, it's interesting that you said that about Roger Ebert, because I actually found a quote from Roger Ebert, and he said, Why would a brilliant young auteur, he's referring to P.T., uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, throw himself on the altar of the king of moronic farce? <laughs> So like while he praised him while he praised him at the same time, like I felt like he was sort of criticizing it. And it's funny too that you're saying that because there's a really if you guys are interested, like in additional reading about this movie, I found this really good article on Grantland. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. It's it's called Grantland. It's a website. And this article was from, uh, it was December 2014, and they interviewed P.T. Anderson about the movie. Yeah. And it was really, it's really good. It's really interesting. And, you know, they asked him, like, why did you specifically pick Adam Sandler? Mm -hmm. And he said that he... Picked him, because, you know, a lot of people really, like, try to, like, psychoanalyze this movie, Mm -hmm. and P.T. Anderson was like, it's not that deep. He's like, I just, (laughs) it was interesting that he said that. He was like, I just wanted Adam Sandler, because I think, at the time, he's like, I thought he was really funny, and I wanted to work with him. Yeah. And it was that simple yeah so it yeah it's Grantland and uh it was a really good article like I have it written down I don't give it to you after
0: yeah that's really interesting because I read that Paul Thomas Anderson does not talk about this movie in interviews so I can't wait to read that
1: okay so moving on to Lena Leonard uh like I said I liked Emily Watson I don't know that I would necessarily um I mean I recast the role specifically for this because we were doing this but I thought she was very good I really enjoyed her she She was the one thing that sort of worked for me in this movie. Uh, So I selected another big name. I picked Winona Ryder. Ooh. Yeah. Because again, I would be really- I picked her because again, like I think she can be really quirky. I think she does drama very well, and I would love to see that chemistry between her and Leonardo DiCaprio. Does anyone have any comments?
2: I'm mad that I didn't think of (laughs) (laughs) it. I really am. I love Winona Ryder. I think she is an amazing actor. And she's super quirky and she'd be perfect if I think of her at all.
1: Yeah, no, I, I thought of her um, right away. I was like, oh, and I just the chemistry I think would have been mm-hmm. like really interesting to see how they would have played off one another. Okay, so for the role of Dean Trumbell again, like you know what? I love Philip Seymour mm-hmm. Hoffman. Mm-hmm. I love him. I did not love him in this role. Oh. I I just I don't know. I wasn't buying it. I felt, and I get that his performance is supposed to be like really overwrought and blustering, and like that's sort of the way the character is supposed to be, but I was just like, it was too much. And I almost didn't buy him as that character either. Even though like I know Philip Seymour Hoffman, like I've seen him do that in other films where he's like that really blustering sort of type. But I don't know, he wasn't doing it for me. So I think you guys will have like the biggest problem with this one. I chose Vince Vaughn. Yeah, I'm out. Vince Vaughn. I chose Vince Vaughn uh, because, you know, what about the height difference between him and Leo? Oh, no, they're about the same height. Leonardo. Vaughn. Oh yeah, Leonardo. Vaughn Di- is gigantic. <laughs> he's like over six feet tall. So is Leonardo DiCaprio. No. Yes, Leonardo DiCaprio is like six foot two.
2: What? Yes.
1: He seems so little. <laughs> oh. Lucy googling it. He Leonardo
0: DiCaprio is one point eight three meters. He's six Why two. Why It's in
1: meters. What do you want? <laughs> he's six two. He's six one or six two. I know he's over oh. six feet. He is very tall. He does not seem tall yeah
0: yeah they're like 10 centimeters apart
1: wow okay yeah continue he's tall (laughs) Um, so again like you know that was actually one of the things maybe that bothered me too about that role like the physicality of it like I felt he was like this little guy and I get it that could be Philip Seymour Hoffman sorry was a little guy oh well he is a shorter guy right And I get that, like, maybe it's that short man syndrome where he's, like, short, but he's, like, really loud and in your face. So I sort of get that. But at the same time, I felt like I would have loved to have seen, like, that on-screen chemistry with Leonardo DiCaprio and Vince Vaughn as, like, adversaries. I see Vince Vaughn as a goofball. And I
2: couldn't, (laughs) like, if I was seeing him in that role, I don't think I'd believe it. Because I'd be like, it's Vince Vaughn. Come on. He's not... He's yeah, like, so, quir- like not quirky. He's not quirky. He's like a goofball. Is the only <laughs> way I can think of it. I
0: just don't think he could do it. He's so one note. I I can't see him even being able to get through that role.
1: Well, it's you know what, and maybe because I've been watching season two of True Detective, <laughs> but he's not one note. But oh, maybe God. in two thousand and two, we wouldn't have seen that yet. But he had yeah. done some dramatic oh, stuff. Yeah. I think. Swingers. He was in Swingers. Yeah, Yeah, but he was a goofball in Swingers. Yeah, but I think he could have, I think he could have done it. That's that's my pick. And again, like, I would have liked to have seen how they would have faced off against one another. And I think, too, with Vince Vaughn, like, I think he would have been menacing, but in a more subtle way. You know what? He was actually... I chose... I had a hard time between him and the other person that I almost chose was... Paul Giamatti. Yeah, I could see that. Mm. I almost chose Paul Giamatti, but then I was like, in terms of physicality, I was like, he's kind of the same as Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. Um, yeah. so for me, that's why like I picked someone that would have been like nose to nose with Leonardo <laughs> they, DiCaprio.
2: Yeah, I think that's something that definitely has to be taken into consideration. Although in movies you can have someone standing on a box and you never know <laughs> the difference. Yeah. But I feel like they have to be pretty similar in order for one to be intimidating first and then the other one to take over Mm -hmm. as like Mm -hmm. winning when he's like That's that mattress man. Like, you have to believe it. Like, yeah, he's scared and he's not going
1: to do anything else. I'm not going to call him anymore. And that's why ultimately I didn't choose Paul Giamatti because Mm -hmm. I thought, well, he's going to be so much shorter than Leonardo DiCaprio. So, how are we as watching this movie, how are we supposed to believe that this little guy, even though he might be yelling and Mm -hmm. he might seem to have like a really bad temper, how is he going to intimidate like someone who's That much bigger than him or taller, so that's why, like, I I thought Vince Vaughn and Mm -hmm. they would be like face nose to nose. Yeah.
0: All right, that's interesting. No, I
2: have like interesting facts.
0: Okay, I also have some facts. Um, so the pudding storyline, um, yeah. it's real. Yeah. It's based on a real guy who discovered this... It might have even been healthy choice. It was. Yeah. yeah it um, was. And it he was. discovered this flaw in their points system, and he extorted it, basically. Uh, took advantage of it, and he got a million points. A million, 1.25. 1.25
2: yeah. million yeah. Um, airline and he, points. And he, he bought... $3,140 worth of pu- pudding yeah. and got 1.25 million points and they uh, basically he could fly anywhere for the rest of his life. Well, no, he's already used them all
0: up. Oh, really? Yeah, because he also like let family members use them oh. and stuff like that. Yeah, so he did use them. But um, he also ended up donating, because it was so much pudding, he donated a ton of it to food banks because also that way the food banks would use them and help him get the barcodes back faster, and um, then he was able to claim... I forget how much, oh, but it was like tax. a third of it yeah. in in income tax. And he got a bunch of back even. Yeah. <laughs> His
2: name was David Phillips.
0: Yeah. And then the Mattress Man was also based on a real guy. Um, Just in this, I watched the Criterion collection. I got it from the library. And it had a little extra that was a Philip Seymour Hoffman Mattress Man commercial where he's playing guitar on top of a bus. And then he jumps from the bus onto a car that has four or five mattresses on top of it, but he miscalculated and bounced off the mattresses and landed on the ground. And so while I'm watching this extra, I was like, that's really Philip Seymour Hoffman. Like, how did they do this? And it turns out they made a fake asphalt ground that was soft, so oh. he fell into that. But then I looked up on YouTube and saw this real commercial that goes the exact same
2: way and the mattress man really did fall on the real asphalt. But what do you mean the mattress, so, and he was really a full sex line operator? I don't know anything about that. I don't
0: think so. Oh, they why do you just meaning real. Because they they did this little outtake of this Mattress Man commercial where they copied the exact commercial. So there was a real mattress guy who he was kind of based off of. I don't think the phone sex comes into it at all. Oh. <laughs> just the mattress. Oh, guy. you're just
2: saying the character of Dean Trumbull was based on the man from that commercial? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. And so, oh,
0: okay. And then after Magnolia, um, Paul Thomas Anderson announced at Cannes that his next film would be an Adam Sandler comedy, and the press laughed, thinking that he was not serious. And so it is interesting to know that, like, yeah, he did just want to work with Adam Sandler. (laughs) And then when Punch Drunk Love eventually played at Cannes, Paul Thomas Anderson won the Best Director Award for that movie. And the movie was nominated for a Palme d'Or as well. Um, and this is the shortest Paul Thomas Anderson film to date.
2: Yeah, and that was on purpose. He said he wanted to make a 90-minute yeah. Adam Sandler movie. Else Did there? you have any other effects? Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. Um, So the score of the movie, I don't know if you noticed while you were watching it, it's like very weird and like just weird sounds more than music. Mm -hmm. And that is meant to create a nervy baseline so that we feel anxious because it makes you feel like it's like nails on a chalkboard and you're supposed to feel that way so you can understand Barry Egan's of view
1: and how he feels throughout most of the movie. I'm going to interrupt you here because I actually had like a little note here to talk about the score because I wanted to ask you guys like how you felt about that because for me while I was watching the movie I found it very distracting mm-hmm. but also exactly what you're saying like it yeah. does almost make you feel anxious yeah. and... I I found it really distracting. Like, that was one of the things Mm -hmm. that I understand why they did it, but I didn't care for it. (laughs) It didn't work for you.
0: It it worked for me just in the sense that I was feeling anxious. And I, like, you can see that it is trying
2: to mimic Barry's anxiousness. So, yeah, it worked for me that way. I like that they did that because, yeah, yeah, even though, yeah, it made me feel anxious (sighs) while watching the movie, but then you'd get a better sense of his character, what he's feeling. Adding on to that, this movie also has a lot of overexposure of light. I don't know if you noticed that. It almost seems like, hey, cameraman, like get out of the <laughs> direct sunlight. But it's on purpose. Like When he first meets Lena Leonard, that scene, you can barely see her face because the sun is behind her, and there's so much overexposure on the camera. But when you see, when it what's that, moves... <laughs> Hands. Pans, that's it, pans to Adam Sandler, you see him fine. And then it pans back to her, and you can't see her very well. And that, I felt, was really well done, because, again, it's like, from his point of view, it's like, here's this beautiful woman, like, I'm so nervous, I'm so anxious, I can't even really, like, see her straight, I can't even really look at her. It's like looking at the sun. And I have another fact. Yeah, yeah, so, <laughs> uh, so Paul Thomas Anderson also said that, you know how the movie, in the beginning, there's a major car crash, and it just comes out of nowhere, yes. and then nothing happens with it. So he did that, he said, I read, that he did that giant car crash because he wanted to grab the audience's attention right away at the start and then just keep it from then on, which I thought did not work at all because even watching it the second time, I was like, this car crash is just dumb. <laughs> like, why is it here? And if he just did the the whole harmonium being dropped off without the car crash before it, it would have been just as fine. It catches your attention and yes. there's not a weird car crash that makes you Keeps you wondering, what happened to the people in that car? Why aren't we hearing ambulances? That's what I was thinking.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I, I was thinking that, too. I was like, why is Adam Sandler just standing there? Like, there was just a giant car crash in front of him. Yeah. And I agree that the way that the taxi pulls up so, like, I think the brakes even screech to a halt and they pull out the harmonium, that's jarring enough that mm-hmm. they didn't need the car crash. I really agree with that. That's very strange. I Any mean,
1: thoughts I don't know The car- I read the same thing like I just felt that there were a lot of things with the movie that were random and disjointed I understand he did it for a reason but watching it You don't know that, right? Watching it, you're like, why is this car crash happening? And then, like, there were a lot of things that happened throughout the movie that it just kind of goes with the whole tone of who Barry is Mm -hmm. as a character. So it's like, well, maybe this is supposed to be random and disjointed like him. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's very true. Because just writing notes while watching the movie, I wrote quiet, loud, quiet, loud. (laughs) Because... Like, it's true that it's every, like, that happens a lot where things are very peaceful and quiet, and then suddenly there's something really loud, which mimics his personality. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's true. The note that I made (laughs) while I was watching the movie that, like sticks out. In all caps, I wrote, this movie is ridiculous. Oh no. I liked it. I really liked this movie. I did
2: too. I liked it um, a lot. <laughs> okay. There's something to say about the receiver when he's holding the receiver. So this is, I didn't read this anywhere. This is just my own point of view, but I felt like, so he was tied to the phone because they kept calling him. They called him at work. He's like, how did you get my work number? And he's sitting here, meets this girl and he's trying to start a relationship with her, but these people keep calling him and then they come and they find him and they beat him up and all this stuff. And so then he calls to get the mattress place in Utah or was it Utah? I think it was. Yeah, it was. And then when he, he goes to the hospital to see her and he's got the receiver in his hand because he's still tied to the phone. He's still tied to these people. And then she's not there. And so he gets on a plane, supposedly, I don't know how he gets to Utah, but he gets to Utah mm-hmm. and he goes to talk to the guy and he's, Still has it in his hand and there's the confrontation and the aggression and then finally he wins and he's walking out, still with the phone, and Dean Trumbell says one more thing and he turns around and he's like ah! and then he's like, That's that, that's that and he backs up Dean Trumbell backs off. And then he hands the phone away and he lets go of the phone and he's done. He's not tied to the phone anymore.
0: Yeah. I've never really been one for symbolism because I'm too busy dealing with the logic of it because I was like, what is he doing? He's going to need that receiver when he goes back home. Why is he giving it away?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I thought it was weird too. But, uh, again, like, I was like, how did he get to Utah so quickly? Like, I felt like that was kind of... And, I mean, maybe I'm just really... Like, I pay attention to really small details like that. I get Mm -hmm. it's a movie, so... But how do you know it was quickly? How do you know it was quickly? It seemed like it was quick.
0: She was still in the hospital. No, she was gone. She was at home. He went to the hospital to look for her, and they said she's been discharged. When he came back. But, so, presumably, it was within a few hours. Before he
2: went. He still had the phone in his hand when he went to the hospital looking for her. I, I uh, took okay. note of that, he definitely did. Okay. It was before he went, she had been discharged, then he went to Utah, had that comforti- confrontation, and then he went to her apartment.
0: I assume he paid for a plane ticket and that only because <laughs> no no, no I, know, I know we're getting into like weird nitpicky things but because he has a conversation with the pudding people right before that saying like oh, I've got all these yeah, points yeah. and they said you can't use them for six to eight weeks yes, yeah, yeah yeah and so that's why I was like he wanted to start using them right away to go to Utah oh yeah they yeah. didn't let him You're right but I assume he just then bought a plane ticket
1: <laughs> okay yeah we are doing that. Yeah, I'm sure PT Anderson would be like who cares about any of that so. Got to Utah. Who cares? So uh, fun facts. I just had one that I found that I thought was really interesting. So Adam Sandler said that he actually based his character on his friend, Judd Apatow. Oh, that's that's so interesting because
2: if you know the show Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee with yeah. Jerry Seinfeld, I just watched the Judd Apatow Apatow one, and he's quirky. He's a quirky guy.
1: Interesting. <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was really interesting. Wow. I was like, wow, he based the character on that. So I wonder if Judd Apatow flies into a rage over things. I wonder. Sometimes
0: maybe Leslie Mann cured him of that. <laughs> <laughs> well. Because she's his wife. Oh, okay. So he now has the love of a good woman. Oh
1: yeah, <laughs> and that makes him strong. Yeah. <laughs> <that the> <laughs> uh, yeah. The other thing that I my favorite line from this movie is when. Adam Sandler gets to Hawaii, and he says, "It really looks like Hawaii here." <laughs> I thought that was really cute.
0: Cause I get it, because that's showing that he's doesn't travel. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, I liked it. It was cute.
1: <laughs> I did not like look- it.
0: <laughs> I did not find him cute. <laughs> oh man, that's no, I, I don't know. I. I'm gonna say it one more time. I think Adam Sandler was terrific in this. I think he did what he could. And I think it turned out well.
2: I liked this movie. I liked it the first time. I just felt like it would have been so much better with a different lead. And that was the only character that I wanted to recast um, when I first suggested this movie because I felt that if it had had a different lead character, this movie would have done way better back in 2002.
1: Yeah. For me, it was the cast was the main thing because I feel Mm -hmm. that with different people in the roles, I think maybe this movie actually would have made more money. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people went to see it because they were curious to see Adam Sandler in a, a dramatic role. Like, I remember when the movie came to TIFF, I didn't go see it at TIFF that year, but I remember when it came and there was so much buzz about the movie and people were talking about it and you know it was such a critically acclaimed performance or whatever and so I think maybe I expected more from it. I was expecting to like him in it because often you see comedians who do dramatic roles, and they they crush it, like they do a yeah. great job, and I just was disappointed. Because I'd heard so much critical acclaim, and people had sort of showered praise on uh, Adam Sandler's performance, I think I was expecting something of a different caliber. Uh, so, two things. I think
2: whoever showered praise on him was mainly because compared to what he'd had done so far it's like wow you're actually acting <laughs> like not that he's you know what i mean like dramatically acting the other thing i was going to say was your point with so when jim carrey did eternal sunshine of the spotless mind before that he had just done the, those like weird comedy movies and he, i thought he did amazingly well in eternal sunshine i loved him in it and i really <laughs> believed him in that movie but with this one i did not believe adam sandler in this movie i felt like I'm watching Adam Sandler play a serious role and never did I get brought into his character as just the character, not the actor acting.
1: Yeah, like I said, for me, there were so many times that I was watching it and I was like, this is just his character in Little Nicky, watered down. Like, I really felt that because there were so many of his mannerisms that it was just like oh my gosh like I'm seeing like other characters that he's done in Little Nicky for some reason it's so- like your favorite movie that's my favorite Adam Sandler movie is Little Nicky I just could not get that out of my head oh, the whole Little Nicky thing so,
2: so yeah uh, sorry I just had Lucia look it up but Little Nicky came out in 2000 so he had already done that movie so I wonder no hang on though because you need to
0: see Little Nicky because there's no similarities at all between Barry Egan and Little Nicky. None. (laughs) But I do get your point because when he would like fly into his rages, it did remind me of Adam Sandler's sketches on SNL. Uh, So like, I I do get your point to that.
2: See, this is my point. Like it reminded you of Adam Sandler. Like you're watching Adam Sandler, not Barry Egan the yeah. whole time yeah, and that's yeah. the problem that I have with this movie because okay. I think it's a brilliant movie I love it I, I love all the symbolism I love the anxiety causing score and the overexposure and all that but you're watching Adam Sandler the whole time and that's yeah. why I felt it needs to be recast
0: that's yeah. fair okay awesome well I think we had some really interesting picks I think we did improve the movie actually
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think we should make three movies with
0: them. <laughs> yeah okay and so it is time for our Segment. Hold me close, young Tony Danza. Hold me close, young Tony Danza. And um, this is the segment where we recast Tony Danza into one of the roles in this movie. So
2: we'll let our guest start first. Okay, so um, I forgot that I needed to do this. Um, but I would recast him as. Um, Louise Guzman's character? I really? can't remember the guy's name <laughs> in the movie. I don't remember. But Barry Egan's, uh, like, employee. That's who I would cast as Tony Danza. And he'd be, like, working in the warehouse, getting the plungers, <laughs> asking, what's wrong, Barry?
0: Why do you have a harmonium or whatever? That's good. I could see him in that. I like it. I cast him as Walter the Dentist, who is his uh, brother-in-law, <laughs> who was played by Robert Smigel.
1: That was Robert Smigel? It was. No way. So I would have cast him as the mattress guy. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, yeah. I would love to see Tony Danza, like, just get all mad and, like, swear <laughs> and, like, totally, like, go head to head with, like, the main character. Like, can't you see it, Leonard? DiCaprio and Tony Danza <laughs> fighting? <laughs> that would be amazing. But yeah, I could, you know, Tony Danza, I think Tony Danza could reach those depths of rage. Yeah, I think he has yeah. it in him. Yeah. So. I he thought could. I could said that in a different
2: podcast. But <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. Okay, awesome.
0: Well, I think that about wraps it up. Um, I don't have any pending notes. Anybody else? No, No. Okay, awesome. Uh, oh, I do have pending notes, actually. The Uh, I just wanted to give the ratings real quick the IMDB rating for this movie was 78% and Rotten Tomatoes was 79% the critic Rating. I
1: just want to say that I'm surprised I didn't laugh more at Lucia's picks today. <laughs> <laughs> because usually they are a source of great humor, but good job, Lucia. And thank you, Marita, for joining us. And thanks for picking this movie because honestly, I this movie has been on my radar for years. Mm-hmm. It's one of those movies where it's like, oh, I need to watch that, I need to watch mm-hmm. that, and I never got around to it. So thanks for picking it because even though I didn't like it, <laughs> I'm glad... <laughs> I can cross it off yeah. my bucket list yeah. of movies. But I'm glad I saw it because it, it was an interesting cinematic experience. Mm-hmm. And he's he is a great director and I think yeah. that not everything can be a success, but certainly I mean it wasn't a commercial success, but I think mm-hmm. it definitely fits into his body of work really mm-hmm. nicely for sure. Yeah. He also wrote it. Oh, he wrote it? Yeah, he wrote and directed this movie. Mm-hmm.
2: Thank you so much for having me as a guest. This is really fun. And for everyone listening, it's much harder to recast than you'd think. <laughs> I went through several different choices for both Barry Egan and Lena Leonard.
0: Yeah, I, I struggled with the Barry Egan character for a while on this one, too. Awesome. Okay, well, thanks very much. The next movie we'll be doing is Janet's wonderful pick. The Hunger Game. <laughs> okay, thanks. See you soon. As always, you can find us on all the social media stuff as Repodcasting. And if you have any movie suggestions or any questions or comments you'd like to send to us, you can email us at repodcasting at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and see you next month.